Three days ago, we celebrated Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving, as most of us learned in school, could be traced back to the pilgrims. But I want to give some of you a little bit more history on Thanksgiving Day. Some of you may have been aware of some of these things, but there's actually a pretty rich history to Thanksgiving if you look it up and really study it. And some of you may not be aware of these, some of these things. Thanksgiving didn't automatically become an annual holiday simply because the pilgrims celebrated it hundreds of years ago. The first national holiday wasn't declared until George Washington in 1979. And each subsequent president would annually declare a day of Thanksgiving. But the the date, the month, would change from year to year. They would just look at the calendar and say, this seems to be a good time to be thankful this year. And they would put it on the calendar. It was all over the map. It wasn't until Abraham Lincoln finally proclaimed the last Thursday of November as the official day of celebration in 1863. And then it became an annual holiday, same time, same, same uh, day, the last day of, or last Thursday in November. However, in 1939, Franklin Roosevelt looked at the calendar and realized that that particular year, There were five Thursdays in Thanksgiving, and the last Thursday just happened to fall on the last day of November, and he got concerned that it was going to shorten the Christmas shopping season and hinder the economic recovery of the nation. And the nation was just coming out of the Great Depression. They kind of needed that. But he said, we don't want Thanksgiving to interfere with Christmas shopping. So he decided that it would be the fourth Thursday in November for at least that year to allow more days to shop. As a result of that proclamation, 32 states took his proclamation and decided to follow along uh, with with the fourth Thursday, while 16 states refused to accept the change. And they continued to celebrate on the last Thursday in November. So that year, there were two different Thanksgivings. Some of the states celebrated on the fourth Thursday. Some continued to do it on the, on the last Thursday. And for two years, there were two separate Thanksgiving days. Until finally, Congress in 1941 passed a joint resolution declaring The last Thursday, they said, we're not going to have this bouncing around anymore. We're making an official declaration. It will be the last Thursday of November. But when that got to the House, they made a modification to it. And they agreed with Roosevelt that if there's five Thursdays, it shouldn't necessarily be the last Thursday. So it was changed, and then it was voted into law that the, the fourth Thursday of November going forward, would be the official day for celebrating Thanksgiving. Now, I find it rather ironic that the reason the day of Thanksgiving was changed by Franklin Roosevelt and ultimately by Congress was to provide extra shopping days for Christmas. Each year, the day seems to become more about shopping and less about giving thanks. I remember when people couldn't wait for the Thanksgiving newspaper to come out because they'd find the Black Friday ads. And so they'd go. In fact, that was one of the days that my mom would actually buy a newspaper. They didn't subscribe to the newspaper on a regular basis, but they'd send somebody down on Thanksgiving morning to buy the Thanksgiving paper so she could begin to look at the Black Friday ads and see what's going to be on sale. How could she get things for her kids for Christmas for less money? Well, Pretty soon, it wasn't just looking at the ads, it's actually going out shopping on Christmas Day. How many remember when Black Friday didn't start until midnight on 
the day after Thanksgiving. Well, then that started getting moved up earlier and earlier. If it's 8 o'clock, and then it's 5 o'clock. And now people are moving their Thanksgiving dinners earlier in the day so they can get at the front of the line for the Thanksgiving shopping. It seems like Thanksgiving keeps getting shortchanged for Christmas. We can't even dedicate a whole day for Thanksgiving anymore. Another interesting fact that most of you may not be aware of, the first, first celebration that was held by the pilgrims wasn't a one-day celebration. It was a three-day celebration of Thanksgiving, a three-day feast. They took three days to give thanks. We have one or part of one, depending on how you look at it. But have you ever thought, stopped to think, even though we set aside a day which we say is a day for thanksgiving, what percentage of that day do we actually spend giving thanks? Think about it. We watch the parade, which again seems to be more about Christmas than Thanksgiving, doesn't it? If you watch the parade, how many Christmas songs are in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. And of course, it ends with Santa Claus at the end of the parade. It seems to be more about Christmas than it is Thanksgiving, even though it's called a Thanksgiving Day parade. But that's part of, for many of us, that's part of our Thanksgiving. And I'm not saying that's wrong, okay? Please don't, don't say, Pastor Jerry said we're going to hell because we watched the Thanksgiving parade. No, I didn't say that. But are we really, I mean, it's, it's relaxing. It's something out of the ordinary. But while we're watching that parade, are we actually giving thanks? Maybe you are, okay? This is something for you to ask yourselves, okay? We watch the parade. We watch football. We play games. We do all of these things, and none of those things are necessarily wrong. But what percentage of the day set aside for thanks are we actually giving thanks? Most of us give thanks at least over the meal. We do. There's a lot of people that don't even, don't even do that. They just sit down and it's just a day to gorge themselves and they don't even stop to even say thanks for the meal because they're not used to saying thanks for meals. Most of us, I would like to think, at least stop and for a short time, at least offer a prayer of thanksgiving. But do we actually spend time beyond that prayer? Is that prayer just customary or do we actually put aside time to say thanks? To too many people, thanksgiving is all about eating or football, or just a day to spend with family, or simply a day where I don't have to work. Yay! All those things are good. But is that really what Thanksgiving is about? Is that really what it should be about? It seems like Thanksgiving is more and more being viewed as the beginning of Christmas instead of a celebration on its own. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Christmas. We couldn't wait to get the Christmas decorations up here. I love Christmas. I love the sights, the sounds, the tastes, the smells, and everything that comes with Christmas. I'm all for spending a month, a whole month, celebrating the birth of our Lord. A big reason I celebrate Christmas is because I'm thankful for Jesus and what he accomplished through his birth, death, and resurrection. But I do sometimes get dis disillusioned by how much both Thanksgiving, and, both Thanksgiving and Christmas is about greed and what we can get instead of what's already been given to us. Even Christmas is commercialized so much that many people don't know the reason. Why do we celebrate the season? It's because of something that was already given. The only gift that we really need has already been given. It's not about what we don't have yet. It's about what we have already 
been given. Maybe we should officially change what is now Thanksgiving Day to Christmas Launch Day. And then after the giving season, we could celebrate Thanksgiving for a whole month. Make January Thanksgiving month. What do you think about that? Is that a good idea? Now we can say thank you for what God's done. And we can also spend a whole month saying thank you to grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle and mom and dad and everybody who gave us Christmas gifts. Say thank you for what I have and appreciating what we've been given. A single day a year doesn't seem to be enough to say thanks for what we've already been given. But really, it shouldn't be about one day or even one month. Our whole lives should be dedicated to giving thanks. I've titled today's message, From Thanksgiving to Thanks Living. We need to become more than just people who say thanks occasionally and start living a life of thanksgiving. It's not something we do just one day a year. It needs to be something that's a normal part of our life. And it shouldn't be something that we have to be prompted to do. I was thinking about all the days that we have on our calendar to remind us to say thanks to someone. There's Mother's Day, so we remember to say thank you to Mom. There's Father's Day, to remember to say thank you to Dad. There's Veterans Day, to thank the veterans. There's Secretaries, or now it's called Administrative Assistance Day, to say thank Thank you for those people that help organize our lives. There's Clergy Appreciation Day. Of course, we've got Thanksgiving Day. And I could go on and on and on. All these holidays we put aside that jog our memories. Oh, yes. Don't forget to say thank you to mom. Don't forget to say thank you to dad. Don't forget to say thank you to the vets. Do we really need a holiday to say thank you to those people? Apparently so. Because too many people only say thank you on those days. How many of you have stopped to thank a vet just when you run into them on the street on a day that's not Thanksgiving Day? You know, I was wondering, you know, some of the stores have these signs. They have reserved parking for veterans. And you always hear reports of people that aren't veterans parking in those places then even getting angry when the veteran wants to park in those spots. I wonder if that happens on Veterans Day. Maybe that's the one day a year when we actually save the spot for the veteran. But the rest of the year, it doesn't matter. We shouldn't have to have a day to remember to say thank you to somebody. We shouldn't have to have a day to remember to say thank you to God. Every day should be a day to say thank you. We should be thanking our mom and dad every day, not just that one day of the year. We should be thanking those that help us, our bosses or our secretaries or fellow work associates. We should be saying thank you to them daily for things that they do, not waiting for that one day that's set aside for thanks. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always, everybody say always. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible's clear that every day and every moment of every day should be a time to give thanks to God. Psalms 113 verse 3 says, From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. In other words, from the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to sleep at night, the name 
of the Lord is to be praised. It's not an hour a week that we give when we go to church and we spend time in his presence. His name is to be praised. He is to be thanked every day, 24-7, 365 days a year. It's always the right time to say thanks to God. Not only are we to give praise at all times, we're also to give thanks for everything and in every situation. It said that in the first verse we read in Ephesians. It said, giving thanks to the Father for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But let's face it. Giving thanks isn't something that comes naturally. Our natural tendency is to criticize, complain, and find fault. It reminds me of the family that sat down for Thanksgiving dinner after a full day of doing normal Thanksgiving Day stuff. They watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. They watched some football. They played some games. And finally, they sat down for dinner. And Dad gave the obligatory 60-second prayer, thanking God for his provision and blessing over the past year. Then they proceeded to eat dinner, and throughout the course of the whole dinner, Dad complained about everything. The turkey was too dry. The mashed potatoes were too lumpy. The dressing didn't have enough seasoning. The kids were acting like pygmies and needed to learn proper table manners. Finally, his youngest daughter asked, Dad, do you think God heard your prayer today? Of course, he answered. God hears everything. Well, do you think God heard what you said about the turkey, potatoes, dressing, and us kids? Not so confidently, he answered, why, yes, I believe he did. The little girl concluded, then which do you think God believed? We forget how good we really have things. There are people all over the world who would consider it a blessing to have dry turkey, lumpy potatoes, and tasteless, tasteless dressing. How many of you guys ever heard that from your mom growing up? There's something you didn't want to eat. There are kids starving all over the world who would be happy to have that. Sometimes we need to be reminded as adults, even the things that aren't made exactly to our tasting, we should be thankful for that because there are people all over who don't even have that. We are blessed to have lumpy potatoes and dry turkey. It's too easy to think about what we don't have or how what we don't have or what we do have is inferior instead of thinking about simply we're blessed. The children of Israel are perfect examples of this. God delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh and provided everything they needed in the wilderness. Each day in the desert where there should be nothing to eat, nothing, God provided manna every morning and quail every night. They should be starving. And God said, here, here's bread, here's meat. But were they thankful? They started grumbling and complaining. All we have is manna and quail. Where's the stuff we used to eat when we were in Egypt? We want those things. We want to go back to Egypt and have what we had there because we had a variety. They completely forgot about where they had been. And where they are now. They may have had a variety of things to eat in Egypt, but they didn't have their freedom. They were slaves. 
But instead of rejoicing that they now had freedom and God was providing nutrition for them, they began to grumble and complain because they didn't have what they really wanted. Dr. Dale Robbins writes, I used to think that people complained because they had a lot of problems. But I've come to realize they have problems because they complain. Complaining doesn't change anything or make situations better. Instead, it amplifies frustration, spreads discontent and discord, and it can invoke an invitation for the devil to cause havoc with our lives. Psalm 77.3 says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Complaining does not make things better. It makes things worse. But thanking and praising does make things better. Even if things don't change, our attitude changes and we feel better about what we have when we're thankful for what we have than when we're complaining about something. It's okay to ask God for what we want, but we need to do it with the right attitude. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's okay to ask for something, but we need to do it with thanksgiving for what we already have and say, God, you know, I'd really like that. Because the Bible says he loves to give us the desires of our hearts. But when we're coming in and demanding and saying, God, you have to give me this because I asked for it, he says, I don't have to give you anything. You've already got everything you need. Learn to be thankful of what you have. If there's something else, ask for it, and at the right time, I'll be happy to give it to you. But be sure to say thanks. Be sure to remember the blessings that you already have in your life. Giving thanks, as I've already said, is supposed to be something that we, isn't supposed to be something we do only once a year. Or even once a week. It's something we're supposed to do all the time. Not only when everything is going well, but even in bad times. No matter what circumstances we find ourselves in, we're to give thanks. James says we should actually rejoice when we're going through a trial or a rough patch. I hate this verse. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face troubles of many kinds. I'm supposed to rejoice and be happy in the midst of troubles. How many have that one down? I don't. I don't even like that verse. How can you be happy when things are going wrong? I struggle. I know all the promises in the Bible that say all things work together for good, even the bad things. All things work together for good. And I know that Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God has great plans for my life. I know those promises, but even though I know those promises, I still struggle with being content and saying thank you when I'm going through a rough patch. Instead, I want resolution, and I want it now. God, give it to me and give it now. Give me patience right now. Deep down, I know that trials only last for a season and that better things are coming if I patiently wait on God. But when it comes right down to it, I have to admit, I find it hard to say thanks and actually rejoice when I'm going through trials. 
I wish I could say like Paul in Philippians chapter 4, starting with the second part of verse 12. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul said he knew the secret. I want to know that secret. I want to be content in trials. I want to be content when I'm sick. I want to be content when things aren't going my way. But apparently I haven't figured out the secret yet. If you have, come talk to me afterwards. Job knew the secret. After losing everything, he still gave thanks to God. In one day, he lost all his possessions and all of his children. One day. Everything was wiped out. He lost everything that he had, including his children. And yet, when he heard what had happened, his servants came and reported to him what had happened, that he had just lost everything. In chapter 1, starting at the second part of verse 20 in Job, we read this. Then he, Job, fell to the ground and threw a temper tantrum and said, God, I don't deserve this. Is that what it says? He fell to the ground in worship. He had just lost everything. And he fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. If Job could still worship God after what he'd been through, what excuse do we have not to worship? If Job could still be thankful in spite of losing everything, what right do we have to not give thanks simply because we don't have everything that we want? We've still got more than what Job had at that time in his life anyway. What is the secret that Paul knew and that Job knew? Why could they be content and still say thanks? even when everything else seemed to be falling apart. Paul gives the answer in the next verse after the one we just read. Philippians 4, 13. He says, I can be content in all circumstances. The reason I can do that is because I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul knew that as long as he had God, he had everything he needed. All the other stuff, I mean, yeah, it's nice to have a full belly. It's nice to have extra spending cash. But even if we don't have that, we have the only thing we really need. We have God. We've got the one thing that no one can ever take from us. The secret's not to pretend that we aren't going through a struggle. You know what? The Bible never teaches positive confession. Look through there. Where in the Bible does it say to claim you're well when you're sick? Or to claim you don't have a need when you do. The Bible never says that. In fact, it says we're supposed to bring our petitions to God. We're supposed to call on the elders to pray for us. When we're sick, we don't come down. We don't stand back and say, I'm not sick. I claim it in the name of Jesus. I'm not sick. You know what? I am sick. I need healing in my body. But I'm not going to let my sickness keep me away from God. I'm not going to let my sickness get my mind thinking negative thoughts. Because I know where my strength comes from. I know where my healing comes from. And so we come down here and we ask for prayer. You know, right now I need prayer. I've got a need. I admit I have a need. But you know what? 
I'm still breathing, and I'm going to give thanks to God for that. And I'm going to thank him in advance because I know he has an answer. I don't know if it's going to happen today or if it's going to happen tomorrow or when it's going to happen, but I thank God that he knows what I need, and he's going to bring it to me at the right time. I stood back, and I was blessed this morning during prayer time, seeing people come down to ask for prayer. I've been down here many, many times on Sunday mornings. I've given the invitation. During the next song, I'm going to be down here if you want a prayer. And two or three people will come and pray with me. This morning, it was nonstop. One after the other, coming down for prayer. And I was sitting there, wow, this is cool. This is the way it should be. And it didn't have to be the pastor doing it. The pastor wasn't here doing the prayer. Maybe that's why you came. Maybe you're afraid to talk to me about your problems. I'll just stay out of it from now on. You know, Sunday nights, we have a great time coming together, praying for each other's needs. Lift up each other's burdens. The Bible says we have burdens. We have trials. James says rejoice in trials. We don't pretend we don't have them. Instead, we admit that we have them, but say, I'm still going to thank God because even in this situation, I've got things I can be thankful for. And if you can't think of anything else to be thankful for, simply say, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you sent somebody to give me the gospel message. There's a lot worse places I could be. I don't like where I'm at, but there's a lot worse places I could be. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. And please bring the answer to what I'm going through right now in your own timing. The Bible doesn't teach positive confession. Paul admitted that he had some struggles. He had times of plenty and times of want. He had a thorn in his flesh that he says he asked God several times to take away from him. We don't know what that thorn is or speculation. We're not sure if it was a physical ailment or if it was a person that was given. We're not sure exactly what it was. But it says he had prayed many times for God to take it from him. And God never did, as far as we know. Never did take that thorn away. But yet Paul still thanked God. And he said, even though I've still got this, I don't like this, but I'm still content even with this. He didn't pretend that everything was going great when it wasn't. But instead, he focused on his problems. Or he, instead of focusing on his problems, he kept his eyes on God. His strength didn't come from the things he didn't have. His strength came from God. And his relationship to God was the one thing that no one could ever take. Every time I read this scripture, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I think of a, of a man that helped us in children's ministries in Renton, Sam, Sam Jacobson. And I think he was in, in his 70s at the, at the time or something. He was, he, he, he was pretty old, our oldest children's ministry worker. And, and he, he was in there bouncing in the bounce house with the kids and doing all these kinds of things. But anytime you ask Sam, and I knew he was going through struggles. His wife was sick. He had some health, health situations. Um, he, he had his granddaughter living with them, and she, and she was difficult to... To, to, to live with, always taking advantage of him. He had problems going on in his life. But anytime you ask Sam how he was doing, he never talked about his problems, even though they were numerous. Anytime you ask Sam what he was doing, he said, more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. That was his way of saying, you know what? Life could be better, but I'm going to get through this because I have Jesus. You never heard Sam say anything negative or complain about his situation. Now, if you really pressed him, what can I pray with you about? He would share. These are some things you could pray with me about. But he didn't grumble. He didn't complain. He didn't gripe. He said, I am more than a conqueror. I've got problems, but I've got Jesus. And that's all that I need. What was the secret that Paul knew and Job knew? 
I just told you. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. That's why Paul and Silas were able to worship God in the middle of a damp, cold prison cell. Their bodies ached from being beaten. Their stomachs were probably growling with hunger. It doesn't really say that, but they were probably hungry. And yet, they praised God. They didn't sit there and pretend they weren't hurting. They didn't say, oh, we're fine. Our backs don't hurt. We're not hungry. But they didn't focus on that. Instead, they focused on God. And they praised him in the middle of the jail cell. For all they knew, they were going to die there. They didn't know that God was going to open the gates for them. For all they knew, they were going to die in the prison. But they said, you know what? We're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on what we do have. We have God. And they sang praises to God. And through that, through the giving thanks, God brought their deliverance. It wasn't because they threatened God and said, well, God, you've got to prove that you are God. And God, think of what a great testimony this would be if you brought us out of here. Think of the stories we could tell and how many people. They didn't bargain with God. They simply thanked God for what they had. And God brought their deliverance. If you read the whole story of Job, you see the same thing. Job admitted that he was in pain. Job never once denied that he had lost everything that he had. He didn't deny the fact that he's sitting there with boils covering his body. In fact, Job a couple times even went as far as to ask God to let him die. He said, God, I don't understand this. He never cursed God. He did say, God, I don't understand why this is on me, but I know you must have a good reason, and I thank you that I've still got my life, although I wonder if I might be better off without my life because I'm in pain right now, God. Why don't you just spare me from this and let me go home? But still, God, in spite of this, I will bless you. I will give you thanks. He praised God and thanked God in spite of his circumstances. Anybody can say thanks or praise God when everything's perfect. The real test comes when we don't feel like praising. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's one of the biggest reasons why we need, need to live a life of thanksgiving. Why we need to move from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. The world is watching. When we learn to praise God and give thanks in all circumstances, the world takes notice. They're used to people grumbling and complaining and griping and talking about how bad they have things and how they just don't feel good. And They're used to that. But when they know we're going through a hard time, now that means we're not going out and telling them we're going through a hard time, but they, can, they know. They know the, the burdens we carry. And they see a smile still on our face, and they hear us still thanking God, even though things aren't perfect. They go, wow, that's unusual. Something's going on there. When we maintain a good, good attitude in difficult situations, when we say thanks, when most would say the thanks is undeserved, people notice. That verse we just said says that openly, by continually offering praise, it openly professes his name. Without going around and having to preach a sermon, that sermon preaches a lot louder than any sermon we could ever preach. Give a sacrifice of praise. 
What's the definition of a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something that we don't really feel like giving. Let's face it. There are a lot of times when I don't feel like giving thanks. There are a lot of times when I'm having a bad day, and I want to let the world know just how bad my day is. So I update my status on Facebook and let everybody know I'm having a lousy day. Now, if you add to that, say, you know what, my day ain't going the way I would like it to go, but you know what, God's still in charge and I still praise him. If you take it the next step, that's different. But when we simply vent and tell people how lousy we have it, everybody does that. There are days when I want to throw myself a pity party and I invite the whole world to attend my party. You know what, I just want to sit here feeling sorry for myself for a while. Will you come join me? What kind of testimony is that? No matter how bad things might get, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it gives me permission to throw a pity party. The Bible says I should be thankful in all circumstances. All circumstances. The good and the bad. And the Bible says that I should do all things without grumbling or complaining. It's always a time to say thanks. It's never time to gripe. Giving thanks doesn't always come naturally. In fact, it seldom comes naturally. It's usually a deliberate decision that we make. Unfortunately for most of us, we only make the decision to be thankful when we're reminded or expected to give thanks. We'll give thanks on Thanksgiving Day and on Mother's Day and on Father's Day and those special times when everybody else is giving thanks. The rest of the year, we forget to say thank you for even the little things that we had to be thankful for. Giving thanks needs to be go, go beyond an action and become a lifestyle. We need to move from thanksgiving to thanks living. Our entire life should be committed to giving thanks, not only to God, but to others. Instead of looking for things to criticize, instead of looking at what somebody did wrong, we need to look at what they did right and say thank you for that. You know what? When we go out to eat, sometimes we don't have the best waitress or the best waiter. But what do you think is going to make more kingdom impact? Telling them off for their lousy service? Telling them how they could do better? Or saying, hey, thank you for serving me today. Now, we know deep down inside it could have been better. But maybe that's what they need. We don't know what kind of day they've had. We don't know how that last customer treated them. There might be reasons. I'm not going to say there's ever a good reason to not be a good waiter or a good waitress, okay? But there could be things impacting them that cause them to not be at the top of their game today. They're expecting somebody. They know. They already know they did a lousy job. You don't have to tell them about it. They know. And they're bracing themselves already for that negative feedback. But what if we said, hey, thank you for serving me today? Could that make the difference in somebody's life? You think they'd take notice? It's unusual. But that's the life we're called to live. A life of thanksgiving, not a life of pointing out faults.
not a life of grumbling, not a life of complaining, a life of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God and thanksgiving to others. Instead of looking for things to criticize, we should look for things to praise. And if we can't find anything to praise, then we should say thanks anyway. Why? Because that's God's will for our lives. Let me read that verse one more time. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Giving thanks in all, that key word all, giving thanks even in the bad, giving thanks in all circumstances for this, giving thanks is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will? That we give thanks. God, what do you want me to do? Give thanks. God, I don't know what to do. Give thanks. God, I don't know where this is going to come from. Just thank me for what I've already given you. This is God's will. Christ Jesus.